with the increase of technology and the digital equipment, getting scammed is a growing experience. Kyle, you're laughing. You may ask Kyle after the service why he's laughing. A website uh, ad said, scammers try new methods to trick you all the time. But if you know the signs to look for, you may avoid becoming a victim. Have you ever been scammed? Some of you are nodding your heads. Or have you... Have you experienced somebody else trying to scam you and you caught it early enough before you actually did get scammed? You either got scammed or you have been attempted on to get scammed. Uh, tell somebody this week about whatever experience you've had, whether you have been scammed or tried to be scammed. Uh, sometimes uh, we are embarrassed to share such stories uh, because it might make us look like fools. Um, make us look like foolish for falling for some of the scams. But I have to say some of the scams are so incredibly crafty, sadly. So don't be embarrassed if you have been scammed. Tell somebody about it so that it might encourage them to know what to be looking for. Um, there's wonderful opportunities to learn how to protect against being scammed by just learning from those who have been scammed. In today's text, the Apostle Paul is going to give us a little bit of that exposure as he points out the foolishness of the Galatians in falling for a scam that was way worse than falling for a, a merely a financial scam. Uh, it was a scam of a false gospel. And the Galatians fell for it. And today we get to learn from their experience, I hope, uh, so that we may be equipped, so that we may know how to identify and resist gospel scams. Would you open God's word to the book of Galatians chapter 3? We'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 5. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5. Here is God's word for us this morning. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds this morning so that our hearts would be attentive and be able to examine and discern 
uh, how and when our minds and hearts may be lured to follow after gospel scams. Father, we pray that your truth would ring clear in our hearts, in our minds. I pray for the assistance of your Holy Spirit in the preaching of this word and in the hearing of this word. For the sake of Christ, we pray. Amen. Paul gave us a clue at the beginning of chapter 1 that the Galatians have turned to a different gospel. Then Paul reminded the Galatians why the gospel that he has preached to them is the only true gospel. It's because he heard it from God, uh, not from any man. And yet it was also confirmed by the Jerusalem apostles, so they confirmed it, even though some of them did not live it out consistently all the time. Now in chapter 3, Paul finally turns his attention to unpack the error that the Galatians have fell for. And the best way we can summarize Paul's message to them in this text is this. You've been fooled. Can't you see it? You've been fooled. Can't you see it? What should we learn from the way Paul exposes this Galatian error, uh, the way he exposes to them uh, the, the scam they have fallen for, perhaps a way for us to, to consider the, the message for us today is learn how to protect against gospel scams. Learn how to protect against gospel scams. Now, there's various kinds of gospel scams out there. Uh, there's a, the gospel scam of the prosperity gospel. Uh, that is mushroom, mushrooming and wildly growing these days. One of the gospel scams that has been with us for the history of the whole church, for the whole history of the church, has been the, the gospel scam of works-based salvation. Uh, the, this scam is known by some as the gospel scam of legalism. Uh, works-based gospel scams are, are luring because they provide ease for our conscience, telling us that we're not that bad. We're not that hopeless. That we can do it if we just fix certain things in our lives. If we just clean up ourselves. If we can just do better next time, then we can solve our guilt problem. We can outweigh the, the bad with the good. Have you been tempted to think, if I can just do it better next time? Works-based gospel scams are appealing to us for various reasons. On one side, they fuel the desire to control. We can do it. We're still at the center of this project to get ourselves right on the right track. So works-based scams appeal to the desire for control. They also appealed for the desire for pride. Works-based gospel scams appeal for the desire for pride. Uh, Paul Tripp once said that 
gospel, false gospels or the works-based gospel scams play, for, uh, play to that belief that somehow, some way, by my performance, by my obedience, I can achieve acceptance with God, that I could be that good, could be that wise, that I could be that faithful. Works-based gospel scams are all around us. And in particular, they, especially, they are especially prevalent where nominal Christianity is widespread. Because a works-based gospel scam promotes nominal Christianity. And it feeds off of nominal Christianity. Do you know how to protect yourself against works-based gospel scams? Well, this morning, from the questions Paul asks of the Galatians, we see five considerations. There's five questions he asked. So we're going to look at five considerations of how to protect against gospel scams, particularly works-based gospel scams. The first consideration is consider the danger of gospel scams. Consider the danger of gospel scams. Look at verse 1. He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Another word for, for being bewitched is to be deceived. Paul clearly exposes the fact that these Galatian Christians have been fooled, deceived, or simply scammed. What made it worse for the Galatians is not simply that they have fallen for a gospel scam, but that they are also not seeing it, like continually not seeing it. The reason why Paul has to write this letter is because they, even after getting scammed, they still didn't get it. That's what's made it worse. Paul has to convince them through this letter that they have been scammed. How, how deeply their lie must have been. Paul is asking, who has bewitched you? He's not asking, who dared to deceive you? He's not asking, who was so smart to trick you this good? That's not what he's asking. Paul's emphasis is on the fact, what happens at the end of the verse. He's say, saying that earlier they have heard the message about Jesus in a very real, real and convincing way. He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This gospel scam didn't happen to a bunch of pagans in Galatia who are worshiping other idols. And here's another scam that comes their way and takes them to another wrong path. No, this scam happened to those who have already heard the gospel and have gotten it, and it was so vivid and so clear that Christ had been crucified for them that Paul describes that, that vividness through this picture publicly portrayed as crucified. Did they have a video clip of the Passion of the Christ? Uh, did they have skits in order to visibly portray the death of Jesus? Did they bring up a, a, a physical crucifix and, 
and put it before them to give them a vivid portrayal, public portrayal of, the, of Christ crucified? No. This is a picture here of how the preaching of the gospel happened among them. It was so Christ-centered and so clear that Christ had to die for the Galatians. It was so clear that here Paul says, Jesus was publicly portrayed among you as crucified through the preaching of the gospel. Paul had preached his gospel so faithfully, so clearly. Uh, the, the preaching of Christ crucified was not merely a footnote in the sermons. It took stage, center stage in the sermons as if the death of Jesus was right before their eyes. Right in your face. You know that feeling with 4D movies or 3D movies, whatever they're now these days? You know, you feel like the image is right in front of your eyes. It's so close. It speaks about the immediacy of how real that is. That is how real Christ had been preached to the Galatians. Paul had faithfully proclaimed the gospel about the necessity of Christ crucified. But now... It is those who have seen such a vivid picture of Christ crucified that have fallen for this gospel scam. Now, it's, it's our hope in this church that we would be preaching Christ uh, faithfully, no matter what passage of Scripture we are preaching from. We pray that no matter what part of the Bible we're in, that we come back to and see the connection it has to Christ and to His sacrifice for us. And yet, here's the caution for us. Just because we have sat under preaching that faithfully portrays Christ before us does not mean that we should be careless or ignorant of the schemes of the devil to try to throw gospel scams on us and, and lure us into thinking that we're fine. We got it. We don't need to worry about it. Here the Galatians have fallen into this track, into this trap of, of this gospel scheme. So for us, the challenge is don't put your thinking on cruise control, assuming that you don't need to be watching out for gospel scams. Be vigilant against works-based gospel scams. The faithful preaching that happened here in the past is no guarantee for the present. The faithful preaching that happened here in the past is no guarantee for the future. Be vigilant. Gospel scams all, all around us. Uh, so consider. Consider the danger of gospel scams. Uh, consider how they can affect any of us. They can fool even those who've had a vivid portrayal of Christ crucified. A second consideration, a second caution. Consider how you've been saved. If we're going to understand how to stay away from and protect against gospel scams, not only consider the danger of gospel scams, but consider how you've been saved. Look at verse 2. The apostle Paul asks, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, does it surprise you that the Apostle Paul asks a question about receiving the Spirit? 
you might wonder, what does the re- receiving the Spirit have to do with, with a works-based righteousness? With this question of falling into a scam. Paul refers here to the experience of receiving the Spirit as a way of speaking of their conversion experience. Paul speaks here about the Spirit as a way of speaking about about their conversion experience because to be saved is not merely about a human decision that we make. Now, it is true that conversion involves a human decision, a human response to the gospel, to turn away from our sins and and we want to decide, we might say we, we make a decision for Jesus, we might say. Uh, This part is what we see, the struggle sometimes in our own hearts. Will we follow in the path of Christ or will we stay in in the path of our own ignorance, in our own self-will? And it may feel like this is just, this is what the battle is, just what I do. But there's also an unseen part that takes place in our conversion experience. Conversion happens as God gives us a new heart. And puts his spirit in us. This was part of the Old Testament promise of the new covenant. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 25 and 26. God promises his people. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. I will and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. God promised to give a new spirit. And that new spirit would come with with the giving of a new heart. So in the experience of conversion, it is not merely what we do in terms of our response to the gospel, uh, but also what God does to bring about his spirit, to change our hearts. Jesus spoke about the connection between believing in him and receiving God's spirit. Jesus said in the gospel of John, in John 7, verse 37 to 39, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John says, now this Jesus said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as of yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Here, believing in Christ and receiving the Spirit are linked together. In light of this understanding of conversion, Paul asks, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The implied answer is, by hearing with faith. If, if you're not a Christian yet, but you've heard the gospel, you understand the news that we must, be, uh, we must experience God's punishment for our sin because that's what sin triggers. And yet God in his mercy provided his son Jesus so that all those who would trust in Christ, all those who would repent, turn away from their sin, and rely on the sacrifice of Jesus by faith, can be saved. Perhaps you've heard this news. You say, what, what am I supposed to do with this news? 
Well, believe in Jesus. Rely on Him. Trust on Him. And God, through His Spirit, takes residence in you, changes your heart. If you'd like to know more about what this means, uh, come and talk to any of the pastors here. We'd love to meet with you and, and discuss this further. But if you're not a Christian yet, recognize that conversion involves a human response for you to turn to Christ, but recognize that it also involves the work of God's Spirit working inside of us in a way that we don't see. We only see the results of it, and the results are repentance and faith. If you are going to guard against gospel scams, we must have a clear understanding of conversion. We must have a clear understanding of how God changes us. That it's not merely a human work. It's not merely a human part. We fall into works-based gospel scams when we have a human-only view of conversion. Merit-based gospel scams happen when we have a deficient view of conversion that focuses merely on our externals on our works, on our decisions, on what we have done, and forget and ignore the presence of the Spirit of God who comes inside of us to bring life to us, to take us from being dead spiritually to making us alive spiritually with Jesus. To be saved is to have the Spirit of God in you. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you are not saved, no matter how many decisions you've made. No matter how many good things you have tried to do. No matter how many good works you have tried to accomplish. To be saved is to have the Spirit of God in you. And Paul asks, have you received the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So consider how you have been saved. Is a second way we can protect against gospel scams. A third way we can protect against gospel scams comes from the third question in verse 3. Consider how you are sanctified. Consider how you are sanctified. In the, in the question that Paul asks in verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? The Christian life is not just about conversion, but also about the journey to progressing to being more like Jesus. Paul speaks about, about the reality that we are on a journey towards being perfected. This biblical language for this journey towards being perfected is sometimes known as sanctification. Being set apart and growing our, in our lives so that our lives begin reflecting more and more uh, the the change that God has created inside of us through His Spirit. Now, the problem the Galatians had was not that they did not believe in the need for sanctification. The problem, what, where they got lured into, is how to proceed and how to pursue sanctification. How ought they to progress towards this maturity? They adopted the view that they must add circumcision in order to be made right with God, and then other works of the law in order to be justified before God. So they thought a better way to be perfected 
is add the law. We need the Spirit of God not only for our conversion, we need the Spirit of God for our sanctification. And if, if we start right, but then halfway, we begin turning our, our gears instead of depending on the Spirit of God for our sanctification, we, we depend on our own work. We depend, depend on the obedience of the law in order to make us perfect before God. We fall for a gospel scam. Trusting the Spirit of God working in us is key for our progress. If we revert back to a merely outward changes or merely the human effort that is separated from the exercising of ongoing faith, we are reverting back to simply bringing about change through the flesh instead of relying continually on the Spirit. Now, we need to make a clarification because the battle against legalism uh, has sometimes gone in another wrong direction. Some assume that seeking any efforts to be perfected is legalism. That the language for growing in holiness is somehow legalistic. If we just talk about growing in holiness, some people assume that that's legalism. Paul is assuming that believers are on a journey towards being perfected. We're supposed to be on that journey. The, the ditch happens when we miss how we're to grow in that, not whether or not we should be growing. Uh, the, the ditch that is ditching the whole growth towards, towards sanctification is a ditch called antinomianism. That's another ditch we can talk about. Here Paul is addressing how in our desire to grow in holiness, in being perfected, we can fall back into legalism. And we should be cautious of that. We should not throw the baby with the dirty water, speaking like we don't need to, we don't need to worry about continuing to grow in our walks with Christ. No, we do need to grow in our walks with Christ. But we should do so being cautious of not reverting back into a legalistic framework. We need to trust Jesus and we need to depend on the Spirit, not merely for our conversion, but also for our journey to being perfected into the image of Christ. We fall into works-based gospel scams when we have a deficient view of sanctification, of how we ought to grow in maturity. A, a fourth caution that Paul gives him, a fourth caution is consider how we are to persevere. Consider how we are to persevere. Gospel scams will make you think that there's nothing to lose, that there's only stuff to gain. But Paul brings out the seriousness of what is at stake if they continue to believe this gospel scam of a works-based justification. Their previous experiences would all be in vain, Paul says. Look at verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed, it was in vain. And there's a, a warning in this verse and a hope in this verse. The warning is that those who don't persevere in the true gospel make their prior experience in vain. Even if it was involving 
suffering for the name of Christ. So be aware of the high price of falling for such gospel scams. The word of hope in this verse is that Paul leaves open the door that it does not have to be in vain. It would be in vain if they still stay in that scam, but it doesn't have to be so. Paul hopes that the Galatians will respond to his correction. Later in the book, in chapter 5, Paul will say, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. So even though Paul gives them a warning, he's holding out hope that the Galatians will awaken from this spell of this gospel scam. And for us, uh, the, the lesson to learn in protecting against gospel scams are pretty clear. Take seriously Paul's caution that gospel scams will cost everything. It will make everything in the past that was good in terms of what you have believed be void. Even the suffering. Turning away from the true gospel makes our prior experiences in vain. Yet at the same time, we have the hope of persevering. We fall for gospel scams when we don't have a, gospel, a clear understanding of the perseverance of the saints. That perseverance is needed on one side, and that perseverance is also assured for those in whom the Spirit of God resides. Friends, I wonder if you are able to see the high price tag uh, of, of, of not persevering. When any of us might be lured into gospel scams, one of the areas that we may falter in is to, is to not see the high price tag for lack of perseverance in the true gospel. So be aware. And finally, a final consideration that Paul brings to us in this passage, a final question, is in verse 5. Consider how God works. Consider how God works. He says in verse 5, Does he who supply the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? For the second time in this text, Paul comes back to the contrast between two major operating systems. The works of the law or the hearing with faith. And, and the first time these were, these, this contrast happened, it was in verse 2, where Paul drew the attention of how we receive the Spirit. Did we receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And now Paul comes back and says, let's look at God. It's not just about how you receive the Spirit. How does God give the Spirit? How does God work? And the contrast is the same. Does God work through the works of the law or by hearing with faith? This contrast is not only for us, how we receive the Spirit, but how God works, how God operates. The contrast was already introduced in part in chapter 2 in verse 16. The contrast between the law and the contrast between the gospel what makes us, how is it that we can be made right with God? John Sott summarized this contrast between the law and the gospel in a wonderful way. The law says, do this. The gospel says, Christ has done it all. The law requires works of human achievement. 
The gospel requires faith in Christ's achievement. The law makes demands and bids us obey. The gospel brings promises and bids us believe. There's a vast difference between operating under the works of the law and operating under the gospel which calls us to hear with faith. Which way does God work? Well, clearly the answer is God works by hearing with faith. And the example that the Apostle Paul will begin giving us, starting with verse 6, is the example of Abraham. That God has worked this way, not only in the New Testament, God has worked this way in the Old Testament. This is how the, the beginning of the nation of Israel started. That God has been working by wanting people to trust Him, to believe in Him, to believe that He will do what He promises to do. And we will see the, the entire span of Abraham's life starting with next week in verse 6 all the way to ver- verse 14 and beyond. But here's the point. From the beginning, God's intent was that his message would be heard by faith. This faith is a trust. A trust that we have that God will accomplish everything that he says he will. That's why the contrast between the law and the gospel is such an important contrast. Are we trusting on what we are accomplishing based on what the law requires? Are we trusting on what God accomplishes through Jesus who obeyed the law perfectly and entirely? So consider how God works. His intent from the beginning, from the beginning of the formation of the people of Israel was to work through soliciting faith in those to whom he reveals his word. And so it is with us. If we want to protect ourselves against gospel scams, we must consider how is it that God works his way, his plan. He's inviting us to trust in his accomplishments on our behalf. This is the gospel. Is this true of your life? Do you in your life seem to Hold on to trusting in what God has promised in his word to accomplish. Or do you slip into wanting to do it your way? When you have or think you have the control or think you have the power, that you think you have the the right approach. Friends, it's so easy for us to slip back, even as evangelicals, even as Baptists, to slip back into living as if, Our life is now dependent on our effort, on our accomplishment. Oh, friends, consider the the wickedness, the folly of falling back in works-based gospel scams. Are we trusting in our accomplishments and merits, or are we accomplishing in God's accomplishments and His ability to work on our behalf in His power that works through His Spirit that lives inside of us? At the beginning of the message, I asked if you know how to protect yourself against gospel scams, particularly against works-based gospel scams. And this morning, I want to remind you of these five ways, 
five considerations. Consider the danger of gospel scams. Consider the danger of gospel scams. Consider how you have been saved. Consider how you have been saved. Consider how you are sanctified continually. Consider how you are to be sanctified continually. Consider how we are to persevere. Consider how we are to persevere. Finally, consider how God works. In each of these points, it's a contrast between works of the law or hearing with faith. Oh, friends, I pray that this morning, your hearing and our hearing would not be simply a hearing that leaves us empty of faith, but that would be a hearing that encourages us, builds us up to trust in the God who works as his people trust on him. May we learn to live our lives in trustful dependence on what he has promised to do for us and in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and that you expose in us tendencies of how we can fall back into and slip into human achievement, human merit, human confidence, human control. Forgive us, Father, and awaken our hearts to to be reminded that the Christian life is a life of faith from the beginning to the end. Father, enable us by your Spirit to keep our eyes focused on what you have accomplished for us and live our lives based on that promise. In the name of Jesus, we pray for his glory and honor. Amen.